It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. Hey guys, welcome to the Locked On Wizards Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Troy Halliburton, and today I'm going to be reviewing the Wizards' uh, home opener versus the Houston Rockets, a game in which they lost 159 to 158. I mean, if anybody watched the game or if you were at the game, it, it was literally the strangest affair I've ever seen as far as watching a basketball game. Um, I, I actually had a conversation with uh, my guy, Brett Greenberg, uh, the assistant general manager of the Wizards, before the game. And I told him that th- this will be a uh, historic test of analytics versus analytics since the Rockets are uh, the premier NBA team when it comes to implementing uh, advanced analytics into their playing strategy. And so, uh, you know, of course, it's a copycat league. And so a, a lot of teams are trying to uh, imitate what the Rockets are doing and count the Wizards as one of those teams. I guess I probably wouldn't even say it's imitating what the Rockets are doing. It's really just playing smart basketball. I mean, the numbers just tell you that the most efficient shots uh, in basketball are three-point shots. And the most uh, efficient shots after that are layups, just because of the the percentages of uh, of you making those shots. So, I mean, the the variance of making a three point shot is is higher than uh, you know, obviously taking a long mid range two point shot. 
But, you know, we're not here to discuss uh, basketball analytics, but we, we are here to discuss how those analytics and the principles of those analytics played a role in Rockets and Wizards game. Uh, the Wizards, they, I mean, they came out, they were gunning from three-point range. They, they, they took 36 threes while the, the Rockets took an astronomical 54 threes in the game, uh, hitting 23 of those at a clip of 42%. So, I mean, the Wizards actually shot better. They, they shot 20 for 36, which is 55%. But, you know, uh, uh, the Rockets, they, they they just shot more. And I feel like part of the reason why they were able to shoot more free throws is the fact that, I mean, they had 19 offensive rebounds. And, and anytime you're getting offensive rebounds and you're playing the Houston Rockets, you have to expect that, you know, they're, they're going to get the ball and either lay it up for a dunk by Capella or Capella's going to get it and, and kick it out to an open three-point shooter. You know, that, that, that's the way they play, and honestly, I, I can't be mad at them. Um, the, the weakness that the Rockets showed tonight was uh, they, they really don't have as strong of a bench as people may think and definitely not a bench strong enough to be an NBA title contender because, um, I mean, they, they, they struggled mightily against the, uh, the the Wizards bench. I mean, and, and when you look at what the Wizards were able to do with, you know, Isaiah Thomas coming off the bench and scoring 17 points. And Davis Bertans is, is just continues to be on fire, uh, scoring 21 points. And Troy Brown Jr. making his season debut, scoring 14 points. And even Mo Wagner getting involved with 12 points. I mean, that that's I mean, that, that's great production from any NBA bench. And so the, the bench actually kept the Wizards in this game. You know, the Rockets, they got out to a, an early start, and it, it looked as though, you know, Houston was going to run away with this game because, you know, according to Stephen A. Smith, the, the, the Wizards have the worst starting five in, in the NBA of the last 20 years. And, and as every game that the Wizards play, that statement gets more and more ridiculous. But let's go back to uh, the the Rockets getting off to a hot start, and the person who was able to kind of put the fire out on that, and uh, Bill, he didn't really he didn't really get going early in the first quarter. The guy who uh, the Wizards were kind of going to early was Rui Hashimura, and I know that people are saying you know Rui Hashimura is a rookie, and there are a lot of Wizards faithful out there who were not happy that the Wizards even drafted Hashimura. But so far, Rui has shown that he is a player who can come out and just have this consistent floor. And, I mean, he he's, he just goes out and gets buckets. Like, really, I think the thing that makes Rui so special is the fact that he's so adept at scoring uh, in the mid-range and around the basket. So, I mean, there, there were multiple times where, you know, even if Rui uh, misses his shot, he, he gets the offensive rebound and he gets a putback. And then when you look at uh, uh, the, as far as him posting up people, I mean, he, he's a technician. I, I remember one play in, uh, specifically where Rui Hashimura posted up P.J. Tucker, who is, you know, uh, known throughout the league as one of the best wing defenders in the NBA. I mean, and Rui Hashimura, I mean, he posted him up like they were – like they were working at the Rico Hines uh, Summer League out at UCLA. I think that really goes to the fact that, you know, Tommy Shepard and uh, the Wizards front office, they saw something in Hashimura. And what they saw was a player who 
was able to dominate as a, as a tweener. Well, I guess what they used to call a tweener as a, as a small forward, power forward. I mean, if you put a smaller player on them as a mismatch and Rui's automatically going to be able to either back them down or at least get them in position where he can drive them off the ball with his ball handling skills and get a, a nice jump shot in the mid range. And the only thing that Rui hadn't shown so far was his ability to stretch the floor and shoot uh, three-pointers. But tonight, he went three for three from uh, three-point range, and that, that helped definitely boost up his uh, scoring average. So he averaged, uh, he came into the game averaging 16 points, but he finished tonight's game with 23 points. When we talk about Rui Hashimura, we have to talk about uh, just more than what he does on the basketball court. We really have to talk about how he has completely changed uh, a lot of things within the Wizards organization. You know, Rui gets preferential treatment for sure uh, when it comes to his media coverage. And honestly, I don't blame him because, you know, he, he has, he's driving interest. He's driving, they, they have, uh, you know, a contingent of Japanese media members who show up every day to Wizards practice. They're showing up to games. I mean, outside in the hallway after the game, uh, I mean, th- th- there was a, a cluster of people of, of almost at least like 20 people waiting to talk to Rui. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with how uh, the normal post-game locker room goes, but the head coach speaks in the press conference room and all of the players are made available in the locker room after the game. Well, Rui has so much attention that he can't just go to the locker room after the game and you know, talk to players. He he does actually he does he he does the backdrop outside of the locker room and he does two different interviews. He does an interview first in English and then he does an interview in Japanese. And so when you look at you know the Wizards and how the organization as a whole is playing into uh Rui Hashimura being a potential superstar, I honestly can't blame them for it. He's a player who is producing on the court. And, you know, as the first drafted Japanese-born player, I mean, that that means something. And and Ted Leonsis is a great businessman, and he knows that. So you have 160 million people who uh, live in Japan. And now, you know, I'm sure half of that population are automatically Rui Hashimura fans. Further into how the Wizards are really playing into uh, making Rui Hashimura a star, when uh, NBA teams have their home opener, they usually have the star player come out and address the crowd before the game. And the Wizards did, in fact, do that. They had Bradley Bill, their two-time All-Star, come out and address the crowd. But right next to him was Rui Hashimura, a a rookie who, you know, obviously I don't think that uh, people – normally would assume that a rookie would be a team leader in addressing the crowd before the game. But, I mean, he came out and he, he spoke in Japanese. And, you know, he, the Wizards are playing into the fact that, you know, Rui is going to make them a lot of money in international sales. But luckily for the Wizards, I mean, he, he can play basketball too. So, I mean, that it just works out for, 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 for both parties. But let, let's talk about the end of the game. Uh, the, the Wizards actually got out to a um, double-digit lead in the fourth quarter, and it looked as if uh, the Wizards would be winning uh, tonight and the other Washington team would be losing. But, uh, you know, 
as they say, that's why they play the game. Because actually, the the Rockets went on a little bit of a comeback at the same time that uh, the Washington Nationals were going on their comeback in the bottom of the seventh inning or in the top of the seventh inning. And it, it was crazy to be in the arena to uh, to hear. I mean, there was just a, a loud roar that just took over the arena at the time of uh, Howie Kendrick's two-run home run that put the Nationals up three to two. Uh, that, that was literally the game-winning play because the Astros didn't score again. So, you know, the, it was craziness going on in uh, Capital One Arena. But, you know, there were still 57 seconds left in that game. And what ended up happening was, I mean, Bradley Bill had two very crucial turnovers in the last two minutes of the game. And I'm, I'm going to actually play a clip right now of Scott Brooks's postgame comments where he talks about the fact that, you know, he felt like Bradley Bill was fouled. And I, I, I may say that the uh, referees were a lot more willing to call fouls on superstar James Harden than they were to call them on Bradley Bill. But, I mean, that, that's just kind of the name of the game. And really, when you look at it, I mean, James Harden is is built like a tank. So when he runs into contact, he kind of absorbs that contact. And for the most part, during the regular season, he doesn't really lose his dribble, as I thought Bradley Bill did in uh, the fourth quarter tonight. So Scott Brooks can say that Bill got fouled. And, you know, I think there may have been contact on some of those plays. But at the end of the day, Bradley Bill, I felt like, was losing his dribble on those two possessions that he had turnovers. And, you know, he's looking for referees to bail him out as opposed to, you know, making the play. But, you know, we're going to listen to the clip of Scott Brooks's postgame conference, and I'll let you guys decide. Scott, um, <clears throat> it seemed uh, you went to um, the matchup with um, – uh, Bertans and Rui playing on the floor together, mm-hmm. uh, but but Troy and Bonga did a, a great job of you know trying to limit some of the things they were doing on the perimeter defensively. Did you ever consider uh, going to a matchup where you where you, where you didn't have to have Rui out there guarding <laughs> one of their uh, wing players, uh, either Gordon or Harden? Yeah, the I mean, it, I mean, Rui's going through all this the first time. It's, but he's you know, obviously after four games. We know we have a really good player that's going to only get better. And he has to go through all of this. I thought he played well. I thought he had some good, tough matchups and did, did a pretty good job. Harden made the 1-3 on top of the key. But, uh, he, I mean, we've all seen that many, many, many times, not just on us. Um, we tried everything. We tried everything. Take it out of his hands. Uh, one-on-one, switch. And you knew sooner or later he was going to find his rhythm. Um, he found it on the free throw line last game with 22, and tonight he found it again with 18. But he's a great player. He's MVP. Should have been, you know, has a chance to be another MVP. And what what do you think uh, about Brad and the way he played in the fourth quarter? You know, he seemed to have, you know, a really strong game, but uh, he had a, a lot of crucial turnovers um, in the fourth quarter. What, yeah, what, I mean, what, the crucial turnovers were fouls. I, mean, I, I, mean, I, I saw fouls, but you know, they didn't call them. That's part. That's part of it. You got to Brad. Brad. One thing about Brad, I give Brad a, a lot of credit. He keeps his composure a thousand times better than I do, and he's been through that many times. Um, he was. He was. 
he was fighting through trying to trying to bring the ball down the downhill in those last couple of plays, but these guys are strong. And they're grabbing them and holding them. But you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end up just keep playing hard and we're gonna end up being um, better from all these tough games early on. Also, did, we, did, did all that offense so early in the season um, it's such a high octane game this early. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of there's a lot of talented. Like, like I told our guys at halftime, there's two good teams on the floor, I, and you guys need to know that you guys are a good team, and you're playing against a championship level team, and you're right there, and go out in the second half and do the same thing. And I give our guys credit; they did. We we're one play from winning an exciting game, and that's that's what this team is about. That's what I, I keep saying. I'm falling in love with the guys and. And I know our fan base is going to do the same thing. This is, how they, this is how they practice. It's the most incredible thing to watch, to see them do this every single day. And we always say, you know, as our staff, we want to win We want to win the day. And we've won every practice so far this year, and that's pretty incredible. You don't say that a lot. Um, what did you think about uh, Troy Brown and his first action of the yeah, year? It's good. You know, you're, always, you're always a little concerned coming back from a calf injury, but – I thought he was. I thought he was really solid, and you know we had some minute restrictions that we try to keep him under, you know, under eighteen twenty. And I thought he played pretty good. And, you know, this is something. This is a great game for him to build on. Scott, last year you sat up here a number of times. Quote you. You said at one point that you guys had to play hard, brother. Yeah. Now you, it's very obvious that it's the exact opposite. Is it just after going through last year? Is it even more gratifying? Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna see all of our guys throughout the game. Different guys, they play. They just come in. They have the play hard gene. That's their DNA. I wish it was me. I haven't done anything last year. It wasn't a it wasn't a good fit for whatever reason. We can say all kinds of different. It wasn't a, it wasn't a good fit for me. I blame it on myself. That wasn't a team that I'm really was capable of doing a good job of coaching. I'm, I'm first to admit that. These guys. This is fun. I mean, this is fun. I can't wait. I mean, tomorrow we're going to get what you need, Dave, but I can't wait for the next day because I know they're going to come in. They're going to be excited. They're going to compete. And they're going to challenge each other. And we're going to do the same thing for 48 minutes the next night, whenever that Saturday night, I think. All right. So, you know, Bill, I, I don't know if he was fouled on those uh, end of possession plays, but I do know that Scott Brooks drew up a, a good out of timeout play and, um, Bill came out and he got fouled on a three-point shot and he hit all of his free throws. And then James Harden did what James Harden does. I think w when we talk about Bill and what he brings to the table, I think that he's one of the most consistent scorers and producers in the NBA right now, especially from the guard position. But I think that he's really missing that, that killer instinct when it comes to closing out games. And that's really the difference between winning and losing in the NBA. I mean, you have to have a guy who's going to go out there at the end of the games and just make shots and make plays. And Bill, while he had a great game overall, you know, he just didn't make the plays at the end of the day. And, you know, I, I, I feel I feel like that's something that he can grow into. But, you know, man, it, it, it's tough. It's tough to have him score 46 points and for the team to still lose. Like, I mean, it's tough for any team to score 158 points in regulation and to lose. That just, I mean, th that really just kind of uh, alludes to the how the, the craziness of the Wizards 
home opener. But one thing that I will say about this Wizards team is the fact that they play hard. And, you know, they have a lot more talent than I feel like a lot of people gave them credit for coming into the year. So if they continue to play hard and, you know, if, if Bill continues to play at the level that he's playing at and Hashimura continues to surprise people and Thomas Bryant continues to improve, I think that the Wizards are, are going to be able to contend. So, I mean, really all they can ask for is giving themselves a shot. So we'll, we'll, we'll reconvene again later in the week. Uh, I have a couple special interviews coming up. But, um, you know, the Wizards' next game will be Saturday versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. And uh, there, there was some very pertinent stuff that happened across the NBA that might affect that game. Uh, Joel Embiid and Carl uh, Anthony Towns got into a, a scuffle uh, during, during their matchup. And there, there could be some suspensions uh, handed down from that. And so if Towns was to be suspended even one game, their next game is versus the Wizards. So that could greatly impact the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves' chances of winning that game. So we'll, we'll find out more about that, and I'll reconvene with you guys later in the week. Uh, I hope you guys are not out celebrating the Nationals World Series victory too hard. Um, I, I know that I had a good time, but, you know, we, we're, we're back to work, back to the grind, and I'll see you guys on Saturday. Chilling back, giving advice. I buy my girl shit that don't matter the price. They see that I'm taking it, try getting pants. Label money, I just tell in advance. I ain't cheating, I'm just trying to dance. She just trying to have me up in the trance. I'm in a strip like fuck it. They just trying to make some buckets. Love when I slap down my ones, but it bounced like a ball when I struck it. So if you ever see a real nigga like me, just let them live and just be how it be. Go to the club with them two and you'll see. With a J, we'll be on the same team. I want a baller like the Wizards. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blue, I'm on the net. Girl, she went shots for the team. I was in high school with dreams. Now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring. I want a ball, I like the whistles. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blue, I'm on the net. Girl, she went shots for the team. I was in high school with dreams. Now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.